Welcome to Growth Amplifiers. I am Kenny Harper. Growth Amplifiers showcases ideas from the top business owners and entrepreneurs to inspire and empower you thrive in your life, business, and achieve a higher purpose. I'll be sharing actionable insights you can apply towards your business in each session. Growth Amplifiers is dedicated to you, your success, and fulfillment. Get ready to amplify. Hey there, Amplifiers. We have a great show for you here today. And our topic's going to be one that impacts everyone, not only in your professional lives, but also in your personal lives. That topic is how can we work together in our polarized world? And our guest today is Adam Kahane. Adam is the director of Rios Partners, an organization that helps people move forward together on their most important issues. Adam's works and methods have been praised by Nobel Prize winners Nelson Mandela and Juan Manuel Santos, which he shares in his newest book, facilitating breakthroughs, how to remove obstacles, bridge differences, and move forward together. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thanks, Manny. I'm happy to be with you. Well, we're excited to have you here today because this is such an important topic. Really glad that you've done some work on this. And, you know, the big idea that I took from what I got from the notes from you is that collaboration is hard, you know, even in the best of times. But Today, in our deeply polarized world, it's almost impossible. So can you lay the landscape of what's going on right now and some tips on how we can approach it? Yeah, well, I guess my most important point is it's it's not impossible. It is possible. <laughs> I've been doing it for 30 years in the most polarized contexts all over the world, South Africa, Colombia, uh, Myanmar, U.S., Canada, Mexico. So uh, it is possible. I know it. I've seen it with my own eyes. It's not easy. It's not straightforward. It's not guaranteed, but it is possible. And I think maybe most importantly, uh, more and more often, uh, we don't have another option. We We can't get things done just by trying to force people to do them the way we want them done, even if we might prefer that. Other people have other ideas, and um, so you have to find a way to collaborate. That's a great point. And, you know, as a father of two young boys, and I'm sure our parents across the world, they, they know this. It's like you may want them to do something, but they've got their own ideas of what they want to do. And I think that's a you know a small microcosm of the bigger you know landscape of how things work. And there's always got to be a way that someone else feels like they're getting something out of it. So how is it, you know, that you can bring these people together, especially if it's someone that they don't trust or like, or maybe even agree with? Um, So, yeah, the starting point is very much the experience you've had with your kids. My experience with my kids, my grandkids, uh, uh, my friends, my employees is my capacity to get people to do what I want them to do is um, from little to none. So, uh, so I have to find a way of, of working with people. And, and um, uh, you know, we don't need to immediately jump to the most extreme cases of uh, people who are trying to kill you, although I have worked in Civil War contexts. Uh, but often we have to work with people who see things differently or who want different things and who we may not agree with. And so maybe the one of the most basic things I've come to understand is pretty ordinary, but 
this idea that you don't have to agree with people. Uh, certainly, you don't have to agree on everything to be able to move forward together, to be able to find a way to deal with things, uh, to, to live together. Uh, and this idea that if we don't agree on everything, we can't do anything, uh, this is completely wrong. Um, yeah, and that's, you know, it's funny when you're on social media, the algorithms are set up in a way to show you information, show you opinions that are very aligned with the way you think. So it, it starts to make this snowball where you feel that it's the only way that people are thinking. So do you give any tips in terms of how do you help people see the other side of the coin, maybe, you know, viewing, um, you know, contrary thoughts or, you know, how can people approach a topic where they feel like they have a strong opinion about in a way that's open-minded? Well, I, I see the problem you've outlined and uh, this tendency more and more to live in our own bubbles and so to be surprised or outraged when somebody sees things different is is a big issue. It's almost as though we move very quickly from I, uh, you see things differently than me uh, to you're wrong, to you're bad, to you're the devil. Uh, and how could I work with the devil? I mean, that would be that would be unthinkable. So I'm not saying that there's never people that are out to get you. I'm not saying that we never have enemies, <clears throat> but I think we don't have them as often as we think. And so the the way around this is pretty straightforward, and I've seen it in uh, the most polarized context there are. Uh, it's maybe not easy, but it is simple which is to, to talk to the other person and uh, try to understand uh, what do they think and where are they coming from, literally. What's, what is it in their life experiences that causes them to see things the way they do? And then given how I see things, how you see things, how the others see things, what are different perspectives and backgrounds and interests and philosophies, given all of that, there's bound to be differences, there's bound to be disagreements, that's going to happen 100% of the time, but how can we find a way forward f through that through that landscape? I, and I think that's an important part, how do we move forward, right? Because, you know, if you don't even open up where you can have that conversation, the only way to, to move is backwards. And I think just giving an inch can, you know, lead to another step and really open things up. Uh, so do you have any tips for how you maybe extend that olive branch or how do you get someone to go from that, that tense state where they're shutting everybody out to taking the first step to opening up a little bit and allowing some compromise to happen? Well, I want to just go back a step to say that we can't collaborate with everybody on everything. That would literally be impossible. So the question is, with whom are we going to collaborate on what? And we always have a choice. If the, situ if the situation we're dealing with is not the way we want it to be, we always have four choices. We can try to force it to be the way we want it to be, using our authority, our money, our guns, whatever, make things the way we want them to be, regardless of what other people want. We can adapt to things the way they are. Uh, if we can't make them the way they want it to be, if we can't live with it the way it is, we can exit, quit. Um, emigrate, get a divorce, and 
collaboration, what I'm calling collaborating, is a fourth alternative. Maybe for some people it's the one they go to first. Maybe for other people it's the one they go to last when they've exhausted all other possibilities. But th that for me is the starting point. So if I've decided that the best way for me to get where I'm trying to go is to work with those others, then we, uh, th that's the key. That's the key starting point. And um, that requires <laughs> this basic thing of, okay, so uh, how do you see the situation? What is it you want? Why, is it, why are you focused on what you're focused on? What are the possibilities here? And what could we do uh, to be able to move forward? And the reason I think moving forward is such a crucial thing, it's the opposite of moving backwards or being stuck, which is what we often are. But also, we can, we can never know before we start how everything's going to work out. And we don't have to know that. All we have to do is take the first step. And then we'll see uh, how things work and whether we can work together and um, whether the things that we agree on are enough to be able to keep going, whether the disagreements even matter. Maybe I have a huge disagreement with you, Manny, about something, but it turns out it's actually not really that crucial for this thing we're trying to do together. All of that we can only figure out by doing it. And so I think this moving forward together is the crucial thing. And the alternative is having to agree everything up front before we do anything. And that's what I think is the non-starter. I love what you said there about you know, something may not have any relevance to what you're trying to achieve, because I think many times people do see some sort of uh, hindrance roadblock between them and they say, oh, I can't get anything done. But have you really sat back and said, is that necessary or relevant to what we're trying to achieve here? So I love that thought. Yeah, well, the um, I'll tell you a little story about this, uh, it, which is where I learned this crucial point. Um, I, I've worked from time to time in the country of Colombia, including during the Civil War. Uh, and in 2016, uh, uh, a man I've worked with a little bit, Juan Manuel Santos, was now president of Colombia and won the Nobel Peace Prize for ending the 52-year war with the guerrilla army, the FARC. And when the day he won the prize, he put on his presidential website that this work he and I had done 20 years before was uh, had been important on that road to peace. So, of course, I was thrilled, immediately linked it to Rios's website, but I actually didn't understand why he said that. Why did he think that those workshops, you know, in 1996 had been so important? And a few months later, I conducted an interview of him uh, in Bogota, and this was a question I asked him, why do you even remember those nine days of workshops 20 years ago? And he had a very interesting answer. He said, the reason I so often refer to that work and I so often think about it and speak about it is because that's where I realized that contrary to all of my political and family upbringing, it is possible to work with people you do not agree with and will never agree with. And this is so powerful because sometimes we naively think, well, you know, we don't agree, but we'll have a meeting or we'll have a coffee or a drink and we'll find it was all a terrible misunderstanding and actually we agree. Maybe that'll happen. But often we're going to find, no, there's things we don't agree with, but we need to work together anyway. And the example he gave was very dramatic. He said the relationship between him and Hugo Chavez. They knew before they met that they would never agree. They were from absolutely opposite political backgrounds. But 
they had to work together, at least to some extent. They were presidents of neighboring countries. And I consider that a very powerful example. So how can we work together with diverse others, agreeing on some things, disagreeing on others, in order to deal with the stuff that we have to deal with? It's not, we don't, we almost never have the choice of, oh, well, just to hell with them. Um, I'll just do it my way. Maybe we can do that in some areas, but there's not much in family life or community life or organizational life where we can hold that attitude for very long. I can totally see that. And um, you gave an example of obviously a high stakes uh, situation where two countries and leaders are interacting and trying to find that that way to work together. But how can you take some of these same strategies and use them in an everyday setting where a person, you know, that's a either a professional or just in a day to day life, maybe in your own family could use this same approach? Well, let me give you the simplest tip I can think of. Uh, but I but this tip really gets gets to the, the essence of it. So um, sometimes you find yourself absolutely certain about uh, the truth about the way things are. You're uh, you're starting every sentence with the truth is and you're banging your fist on the table. Uh, my tip is put at the beginning of your sentence in my opinion. Uh, and if that's not if that doesn't work, try in my humble opinion. So I'm saying this lightheartedly, but this is the key to realize, yes, I have an opinion about this. I, there is something that I think is important or true or I need you to understand, but I'm aware that it's just my opinion. It's not, it's not the truth. And that little bit of distance between me and my opinion is what allows us to, to have a conversation. You can question it. You can offer an alternative. Um, we can argue about it, but it's not me. It's my opinion. And maybe by the end, I'll still have the same view, or maybe I will, um, you know, see things differently and, and and have changed my mind either a little bit or a lot or will have found out that in spite of our differences yes you think this i think this but but uh th there's a there's a there's some places we could do stuff together and we'll see from there i think that's wonderful and you know we work with a lot of advisors and facilitators and and people that work with you know business owners and one of the things that we talk a lot about is blind spots uh, because there's no one that doesn't have any blind spots. And it's only until you can hear someone share with you what you're not seeing or share a perspective that's new to you that you can learn and grow because otherwise those things are in the darkness. Um, do you have tips for facilitators on how to you know, help them when they're working with groups uh, expose different viewpoints and perspectives so that everyone can get a, a better, well-rounded perspective um, view of what's happening in that specific situation? Well, I think this idea of blind spots is really important. I once had a colleague who said to me that I can find when I talk with you that maybe your dreams are not my dreams, but nor are they my nightmares. So uh, let me offer two uh, sort of different but highly effective methods that we use in our workshops. Um, so uh, one of them is we often use uh, uh, Lego sets, Lego blocks to literally construct 
a picture of the problem or a model of the problem or the solution. And the thing about doing it with Lego rather than just with words in the air or words on post-its is we don't get stuck on the words. Each person, I mean, there's lots of ways to do this, but each person builds a model of an aspect of the situation they think is important and we can look at it, we can point it, we can take it apart, we can see how the different models relate to each other. So this is one method of uh, um, literally building models of how I, each person sees the situation so that other people can say, oh, you think this is on top of that. I always thought it was the other way around. Oh, okay, you're looking at it from the other angle. So this physically building models of it rather than just talking about it or rather than just writing about it. Uh, so this is one uh, thing that we found enormously helpful. In, uh, professionally, it's called Lego Serious Play. It's a whole method in itself. The other uh, a method that has uh, people always say is their favorite thing about the workshop is the simplest thing you could imagine. We often say to people, uh, look around the world room, find the person who you think is most different from you and go for a walk with them. And it really amazes me that that simplest thing is the one that people find most useful and always say, no, no, we got to do more of that. And I think there's two reasons for that. The mechanical reason is we're looking at we're when we're walking, we're looking at the world together, we're, we're moving through it, we're coming up against obstacles and figuring out what to do with them, whether it's a fork in the road or a log on the road. We're not looking at our phones, we're not looking at our papers. So that's the mechanical reason. But there's a maybe more profound reason. What's going on when you're going for a walk with somebody? First of all, you're, account, you're encountering them as a fellow human being. And then maybe as a result of that human interaction, you might think, that things are different than you think they are, or um, they're paying attention to something you're not paying attention to, or maybe I want to try something different than I was before. So this idea about putting the relationship first and the decision second, rather than be, you have to agree with me on this before I'm even going to treat you as a fellow human being. Those are two, two things, very practical things. Hey there, this is Kenny from Growth Amplifiers, here to ensure you get your awesome ideas into action to grow and improve your business and achieve your full potential. Take the first step by visiting growthamplifiers.com and clicking the Start Here button. Take the assessment to get your personalized score. Then select from free resources to learn how to improve your score. Don't wait. Be proactive and take action now by visiting growthamplifiers.com and clicking the Start Here button. And always keep on amplifying. Now. Let's get back to the show. Uh, I love that. Um, you know, I already mentioned that I've got two young kids and it's, it's always great to be able to see how they think. And when they show things, you know, the way they draw it out or the way they construct it, and then they tell you what it is, you know, you get a whole new insight to who they are as a person. And then the, the second thing you talk about with, you know, connecting with someone that may be different, that maybe you normally wouldn't have connected with. Um, yeah, I coach water polo and one of the things that I've done, you know, with younger kids is they have a tendency to stick around with the kids that they know. So I'll have them rotate so that they're interacting with everyone on the team, because that's the only way people start to work together. You get to know each other, you kind of break down barriers, um, you learn about them. And I think it's a wonderful way to, um, you know, open up people's eyes to different people and get to know them and, 
open the door for that collaboration that you talk about uh, because if if you don't see them or interact with them there's much less chance that you can take that next step forward so i really exactly. like those two um, tips that you gave there well and i think we have to realize that the way we set things up affects what is able to happen so what happens in um a boardroom is different from a classroom is different from a water polo pool um the structure of the space physical political psychological structure of the space affects what can happen so um when i facilitate i always take the tables out i never do it around a boardroom table that that is the most rigid possible um a space in which to try to work things out because you're literally stuck only between two people and uh, this idea that you say you use for the water polo teams is an idea that we use in all our workshops which is yes have people work in small groups with different people every time as a way to yeah begin to have relationships have ideas see possibilities and so just getting, just removing these obstacles to collaboration, uh, this is a lot of the work. Yeah, I can totally see that. And, you know, one of the things that you talk about in your book is the need to employ love, power, and justice. How does that play into, you know, these items that we've just been talk talking about? Well, let me um, put it in a, a more basic way and then come to the way you've just described. <clears throat> I think all of facilitation can be boiled down to connection, contribution, and equity. That if you can, um, as a facilitator, as a leader, as a manager, as a team member, as a coach like you are, if you can um, help people connect to one another uh, and to the context they're in, um, if you can help people contribute, whatever their gifts or information or strengths or power, and if you do that in a way that is fair or equitable, that's the basics. I think that's 75 or 90 or maybe 100% of helping people move forward together is removing the obstacles to uh, connection, contribution, and equity. Now, if you want a fancier way to say that, or a way that maybe hints at some of the deeper aspects of it, you could use the words love, power, and justice. And uh, these are words people, different people use in different ways. But, uh, and in my book, I provide very precise definitions. But by love here, I mean the drive to, con the, the drive to reunite what has been separated. And this is something I've noticed in my work. When people have been separated physically or by, by, by structures or by class or by race or ideology, if they have been separated and they're able somehow to come together, they are thrilled. It's like the best thing in the world. Oh, my God, I thought these people were my enemies. Um, I thought that we had absolutely nothing in common, and I find, well, they are different than me, and we have some disagreements, but we can work together. So that's what I'm calling love, the drive to reunite the separated. Um, uh, but that's not enough. We also need power, 
the drive that everybody has to get stuff done, to realize their ambition, to grow, to get their job done. And we need both of these. We need love and we need power. Martin Luther King said, power without love is reckless and abusive, and love without power is sentimental and anemic. And the third element we need is justice. Everybody wants to be treated fairly. They might have different ideas about what's fair or unfair. Usually they think they're being treated unfairly. But you, need, you have to have that element as well. In other words, you have to set things up in a way that everybody is able to uh, connect and contribute, not just the bosses, not just the people with money, uh, not just the majority, but everybody is able to to exercise their love and their power. So that's what I mean by the essence of facilitation. What's required to move forward together is employing all three of those, love, power, and justice, connection, contribution, and equity. I love that. And I think you, you know, obviously stated it very well in terms of how those play together and balance each other out. And I know as a facilitator, sometimes with um, different people from a business, one of the things that we try and do early on is, you know, disarm the group to say, you know, everyone here is um, valuable, everyone's talented, everyone brings something to the table, and we want to be mindful of that when we're contributing so that, you know, you're, you're being humble, you're not shooting down someone else's idea, you're letting other people speak because sometimes, you know, the people that are lower up in the, the business may not speak up because they're fearful that either their idea is no good or that they'll say something wrong. Uh, do you have tips to um, give that green light to help the set the tone when you enter a facilitation like that to allow everyone um, metaphorically at the table? I know you don't use tables, uh, but everyone at the table to have their voice heard. Uh, yeah, and I think that's that's crucial. And that doesn't mean there aren't real differences in in power and rank and authority, but one thing is to say, uh, this meeting we're having now, um, for this meeting, we're suspending the hierarchy. That doesn't mean we're throwing it away forever. And we may go this afternoon to another meeting where the hierarchy is reestablished. So that's one idea. The second is um, to not do everything in the whole group where the dominant voices will dominate, but to do a lot of work in smaller groups. That's a way to get more people to contribute and get more ideas into the mix. Um, sometimes we even rigidly say we're going to start with everybody, with everybody has one minute to say what they want to say about X, and that same one minute for the, the most senior person and the most junior person. The, the pattern for these things is set at the beginning, and if you set it at the beginning with the boss giving a half an hour speech, then that's the way it's going to be for the rest of the meeting. Whereas if you set it where everybody contributes right at the beginning, equally or equitably, I should say, um, then you have a chance. And the reason for doing this is not just to be nice or democratic or inclusive. It's because it's not possible to find a way forward with just the ideas of a few powerful or loudmouthed people. We actually need everybody's idea, and often, very often, it's the people who are more junior or more marginal or closer to the coalface or who come from a different perspective or think about things differently 
who actually have the clues to what needs to be done. And, and that's why we're doing it. No, I think that's spot on, especially when you think about, you know, a large organization where, you know, maybe the customer service, they're the ones interacting with the customers on a daily basis. So they hear the, the first challenges, the first issues that they also hear about the things that maybe the customer wants that aren't there. So those are really powerful things that have shared throughout the organization can be that roadmap for, you know, new development or fixing challenges that could mean that a customer's uh, life cycle may you know be much shorter than it could be if you fix some of these challenges so i love the the way that you position that and how that can be implemented with those easy um, tips that you just provided well um i've done this work in a lot of different contexts in companies in governments um a lot with uh company government and community people together uh, all over the world. And uh, and what I've learned from doing this for 30 years can be summed up as follows, that the world needs more and better collaboration, whether that's in companies or in communities or globally. Uh, we're recording this on the day that the COP26 climate negotiations are starting. This is really important for all of us. Uh, so the world needs more and better collaboration. And in order to get that, the world needs more and better facilitation. Uh, and I'm not just talking about professional uh, full-time facilitators. I'm talking about facilitation as a role that anybody can play, a consultant, a coach, a leader, a manager, a team member, a diplomat, a friend. So I think we need this in all contexts because the we're no longer living in a world where a few people can successfully just tell everybody else what to do. It doesn't work. Um, it doesn't work uh, in countries. It doesn't work in communities. It doesn't work anymore in companies. And the alternative to that is collaboration and collaboration requires facilitation. So that's, that's what I'm focused on. And I love that vision of, you know, bringing more collaboration to the world and having those facilitators that make it happen. Adam, if, if someone here is listening and wants to get more information about how they can either get your book or maybe they need some assistance in getting training from you and your company, what's the best place for them to reach out to you? Uh, well, uh, that's why I wrote the book. It's not, <laughs> this isn't supposed to be a secret. I'm trying to help more people be able to do this so so the book uh which you mentioned already facilitating breakthrough how to remove obstacles bridge differences and move forward together so that's available anywhere books are available and our organization which does this work in the united states all over the world is called rios partners the website is riospartners.com r-e-o-s partners riospartners.com Get in touch, read the book, facilitate, collaborate. I'm going to put that up there, right there, riospartners.com. Make sure you get out there, grab that book, uh, reach out to Adam if you have a question. He's got a wealth of knowledge on collaboration and facilitation. Adam, it's been a pleasure meeting with you here today. I hope that uh, you know everyone that's listening here uh, goes out, grabs that book, starts to facilitate more, encourages more collaboration uh, because it's it's definitely needed in a world. And I'm, I'm really glad that you're out there 
providing people with the tools and resources to make it happen. Appreciate you being on Growth Amplifiers today and look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thanks, Manny. It's been a pleasure. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. To show your support, take a moment to amplify this message by sharing it online. To connect with me or gain more business growth insights, visit www.growthamplifiers.com. Thank you for your support.